This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 782, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, getting their shots, doing what's right, doing what's good. Being a mensch.
Welcome to my fanboy pick week episode 782. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and this is my co-host Josh Flanagan. I'm Josh Flanagan. You are Connor Kilpatrick. I can check all of that out. We are a fanboy. We like comics. We read them every week. One of us picks a favorite one called the pick of the week. And we talk about that book, we talk about other books, we talk about listener mail and the patron pick and other things that we that we have time for. They're on the script. They're in there. Will we get to them is the question. That's always the question every week. But in the meantime, we have fun figuring it out. And also, we have fun spoiling things. So here's a spoiler warning. will be some spoilers if, this, if so needed for the discussion. Because it's a review show. And Josh had the pick this week. Connor, yeah. I was thinking about maybe... Oh, no, don't talking like this more no, please. the whole time no 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 oh friends don't let friends up talk i think i have a mute button for you <laughs> well, i do i'm still recording it though so i'll just play it back <laughs> for you you'll like you'll check your voicemail it'll be like hello the pick of the week is strange adventures number 10 uh from tom king and the art team of mitch garrids and evan doc shaner who are doing a swirling collaboration that has some sort of meaning from page to page that i still have not sussed out um and, and you might be wondering hey 10 issues in we're making this the pick of the week now why is that and i would say to you because i today i went oh i get it kind of i think i think it was picked before wasn't it was it so I'll look it up. Not mine. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know that I had uh, a lot of standouts this week. It was another one of those weeks, like lots of comics, lots of pretty good comics, but but not a lot that that blew me oh, away. Really? I had like four or five I could have easily picked up this week, but Fair that's the, that's the that's the vagaries of the show. Yes, um, and. As I was reading, there was actually a very specific moment. Uh, there's a narrator at the very beginning of this uh, who is talking. Uh, as as Alana Alana's reading a letter, mm-hmm. and 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 she's she's it's talking to her, and and the moment that I figured out that oh Mr. Terrific is is turning in his report, and or letting or her his, know about his it his real report yeah the one right to her as opposed to the one for the Justice League right and and once I I realized that because I think the last issue would be like what happened to him you know and we're seeing right. his conclusions and so this is the Kaiser Soze. Or at least the first yeah. half of it, sort of yeah. revealing. Strange all. Adventures number one was pick of the week in June of two thousand twenty. Oh, no shit. Which, uh, if you check your calendar, was eight thousand years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. um, yeah, and this, actually, to be fair, this book has been largely on time. In fact, very on time, and I have to give them credit for that. Uh, sure. They got two artists going. So what are you going to do? Uh, basically, a lot of the things that. We talked about this with with the Tom King story is that you are very likely to be confused for a large part of it. And then how we can tell his measure of success is if it gets pulled together in a way where we see, oh, all of these things that didn't seem to make sense start to make sense. Now, that was not 100 percent answered here, but it went a long way. Um, If the door is opening to this to the reveal of what's happening here. Right. He's not. It's funny because I wouldn't call Tom King a mystery writer, but he he basically writes mysteries, and that's yeah. not true because Superman up in the sky wasn't. But and not not all of his books are like this. But this this book and Mister Miracle were, are similarly structured in that it's you're not exactly sure what's going on. And I guess Rorschach as well. You're not exactly sure what's going on until you get to the end and all the pieces fall in place, which is how mysteries are written. It's interesting that you bring that that up because as I was I was I was very specific. I was walking the dog and I was thinking, what am I going to make pick of the week? And I was thinking about this book, and I, I, I thought, that's, that's a mystery. And, and the, the thing is this, I don't like mysteries all that much. 
Um, it's just n- not my bag. But one of the things that I really do respect of, of the is I can't, I cannot fathom writing like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, 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 it's something that always impresses me. Now I understand how it works as math. Like, what's the thing that happened? Now work backwards. You know, how do you get yourself there? Like, and I, and I get that. Um, but I do find it extremely impressive. And there are certain instances where, you know, the experience is good. Like, you know, it works for me sometimes. I loved that damn Sherlock show. Um, mm-hmm. and 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 this is sort of that. And and. <laughs> If I hadn't, if I hadn't known or been fans of the people who are making this, if this was just some random book, I don't know if I'd have lasted this long. Um, the other thing is sort of the feeling that I don't want Adam Strange to be the bad guy. Sure, I don't want no. him to be this other thing. The yeah. There is a, there's two kinds of comic books, uh, two eras. There's the, at the end it was the hero all along doing the hero thing. And then there's the more modern post-1986 thing, or if you want to count Marvel Man, uh, pre, uh, where it was the hero was the bad guy all along. And it's kind of, those are the two kinds of things. When I was younger, I was very into the latter. Oh no, everything we thought was wrong and he's evil. But as I am older, also when I was much, much younger, you always want the bad, the good guy to be the good guy. You want to find out that Batman knew what was going on the whole time, and he had that shit mm-hmm. under control. And I don't know what's going to happen here, because it could literally go any way. Right, because it's, it's a black label book, which is essentially it means it's an Elseworlds title. So it can, it can end with bloodthirsty Adam Strange if they want to. Yeah, but I if feel... If they want to, they can do that. I feel like that is a weak choice. At least an obvious one, and I'm not giving him that. It, it could go either way in the end. You can justify. Well, there, what there's you're two. Doing. There's as someone who reads a lot of mysteries. There's there's mm-hmm. usually a way things go, and this I'm not saying this is the way this story is going. We're going to get to the details in a second before we go super long on this one book. Is that usually speaking, that the formula for the mystery is there's a faint before the real reveal. Yes. Is that. This the guy walks in the room and that's the killer. Nope, he walks in and he's got a knife in his back and he collapses and the real killer is you know like mm-hmm. there's there's usually a feint and there's a there's there's a hint of it here in in the in the story and I will say this I'm very impressed that um, in the midst of a giant worldwide invasion, a Mr. Terrific sent his findings in a, in a handwritten letter and b the post office was able to deliver it. It's, yeah, yeah. It in the like- midst of the picks. You know, running running wild over Earth, neither yeah, rain nor was, sleet nor snow or worldwide alien invasion will stop the delivery of the mail from their appointed rounds, which is my right. favorite part of that. I, I I don't think that I had understood or remembered that we were in the midst of a worldwide alien invasion war. Right. I was like, oh, because because everybody's lives lives are kind of so normal. I think this, the two things that are the outliers to that faint here is that the rules are basically like I don't think. Mr. Terrific is Batman in this instance. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who's smart and he's going to get everything right because he's going to understand it. I don't think he's going to get everything wrong because then that's antithetical to the, to the character. But at the same time, you've got Batman over there who either doesn't know what's going on or he's in on it. So those are he's two... He's very busy fighting off the alien invasion as well. Fair enough, but he's Batman. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm interested in which, whichever way it goes, but at least I see a, a path now. I really liked the, basically the idea is that maybe Adam Strange 
uh, had made a deal with the Picts uh, to save his daughter and gave them Earth, and that's why all this is going on. And well, to save Ron, so really, the daughter yeah. was collateral for the deal, but right, um, like in like Rand. in Fargo season four. I really like the map, by the way. <laughs> of course. Well, because it was like, I was first, I was like, oh, is this Earth? And I was like, oh, that's awesome. It's like a realistic map, but a different planet. And that made me happy. Yeah, so the the, the, the conclusion that Mr. Terrific comes to here in his letter to Alana, as we as she's reading it, we see a lot of things happening, is that, is that the only reason why Adam Strange is able to turn around this invasion force, which has been unstoppable up to that point, was that he made a deal with them while he was in captivity to let them have earth if they if they if they left ran alone and then his conclu- mr Jervis conclusion is that to seal the deal he gave them his daughter as collateral so that if he reneged on the deal they, could, they would kill the daughter so that was the conclusion why else would this unstoppable invasion force have been turned around by this one dude and why would they not have killed that one dude once they had him in captivity and it all makes perfectly logical sense that's in that scenario um so one of the things we've talked about since the very beginning is the the two art teams. So you've got Mitch Garrett's doing the stuff, the present day, the the now stuff, and you've got Doc Shaner doing the flashbacks. And but here, even back in the beginning, though, in issue one, we thought, well, maybe it's not the flashbacks; it's right. the it's the the myth, the story. The, yeah, the the story being told by them, and there's certainly indications of that here, especially in the one panel where it devolves into the building blocks of a comic page with the, you know, that the art. is page 26 on the digital yeah. uh, page. And I, I noticed that too. And I mean, that's your big clue. And, and I, I gotta say the story thing that we just talked about the whole time, the mystery, the coming together, you know, the reveal, like the, basically for a long time we were led to believe the faint is sort of Alana, like, is she the bad here? And she's manipulating Adam or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and, and then it reveals that she's being, maybe she's possibly being lied to by Adam, which is interesting. But at the same time, you've got this other bit of craft going on, which is two artists and a writer working in concert, not just to tell a story, but to tell a story within the form. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at a page, we're starting to get pages that are mixed. Part of it's by Mitch, part of it's by uh, Doc. And Mm -hmm. that that's clearly planned. So somewhere in the blueprint of this thing, is that idea. And so that one page where, as we get from the left side of the panel, because comic book pages go from left to right. That's how a comic mm-hmm. book panel works. And so as we read this, we see it's in full lustrous color. The color fades. We go down to the blue line pencil by the time we get to the full right side of it. Yep. We That's see the pretty interesting. We see the yes. scaffolding. We see the, uh, the, uh, the framing in the house. You I know, believe so that is called formalism. So, I, I don't, you know, we're issue 10 of 12. There's a lot left to go. I don't necessarily believe what Mr. Terrific has laid out here is exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. And the, at the end of the story, I know Alana comes home and, and Adam Strange is there and he asks everything's okay. Is he holding the letter? I guess he probably is. Um, so, you have to assume the next issue is the confrontation. And so, either one of two things have happened here. One... The letter's correct. Adam Strange is the villain, and Alana had no idea that he used their daughter as collateral, which will go badly. Or two is that Mr. Terrific was slightly wrong, and it's the other way around. See, I don't think so, though, because he spent time with her unless – 
because he was the, like he was front and center. He's talking to her directly, so theoretically he would get he would get his his take on her and sh- you know her vibe. Unless this is Mister Terrific's feint to try to draw her out by saying something. Yeah. So we'll see. Whatever. The, that last page, though, uh, mm-hmm. where we're looking up at Alana from the downstairs, and then we're looking down at Adam Strange. By the way, anytime somebody's in full superhero costume at a breakfast nook with orange juice next <laughs> to them is fantastic. Um, just the the composition of those pages, the camera angle, and then the acting specifically on Adam Strange's face was, what? Right. Is it okay? Like, he's a doof in this. I mean, I think that's been fairly clear. Or at least he's playing one, at least in the present day stuff. It's real good. And I just like that it made me think all those things. And when I got to that last page, I was like, no, not now. <laughs> I wanted that next page real, real bad. And yeah. it, you know, this is what this is what we're waiting for. And it's almost like every time that Tom does one of these stories, we have to wait longer for right. the payoff, which I guess makes that payoff sweeter. But it's just like we have to just get used to being like, well, I'm very confused for a long time. And I don't know. I'm not sure what I believe. I mean, I'll t- I'll take it on face value right now mm-hmm. that it's all Adam Strange. But on the other hand, we've been shown throughout the story that Alana is the operator in the, of the couple. Yeah. Even this issue is all about her PR campaign for the war and their story. She's on the news. She's visiting troops. She's visiting the president. There's a and lot Adam's of time kind of, her, of her being alone and sexy. And Adam's just kind of the guy, you know. As you yeah. said, he's kind of doofy. And so which one pulled off the grand conspiracy? Or is if we take it at face value, it's Adam. But if, you know, what we've seen in the story, it leads, leads you to believe it's Al- Alana. So either one would make sense. And we'll figure it. We'll find out next week, next month or next I, two months or whenever it comes out. I don't normally go back and read things. And like, this isn't even like my favorite book or anything. But mm-hmm. after it's over, I think it's going to be very much worth going back. Because I remember in the beginning, we were like, well, what's happening in this panel here with his arm? I don't remember what it was, but I know that there were really specific things that were happening well, there was art. one point where his costume changed in the art from page to page. Yeah. In in a flashback. He had like the traditional Silver Age costume, then he went to the modern Snoot 2 one. So there's been a lot of that kind of thing. A lot of visual clues that things yeah. are not. So I think, I think this might be worth a recheck through, but I'm definitely not going back until I've read it and sure. finished with it. But, uh, you know, it basically gave, it gave me all those feelings that I wanted to have out of the book. Was, you know, like it, it just, I found it very satisfying and very compelling. Um, you know, which is what I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you been reading Ha Ha? Yeah, you time? made me go back and read one about the one about the mime you had mentioned. Because at first I thought oh, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, a mime. horror book about, you know, right. whatever that first one was. And and then when you sort of clued me in, like, no, it's this sort of quirky anthology book about, yeah. you know, a random clown with great artists, artists by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I've re- I read... Yeah, three, four, and now five came out this week. So I have been going back and reading it. And what this, this week was terrific. It was great. Gabriel Hernandez Walta, who you know was on uh, Vision with uh, Tom King, and this is just little sort of story that was kind of sweet uh, in the end. W. Maxwell Prince. The story is called Pound Foolish Makes a Casserole, and I finished this issue and I was like, damn, that was really, really good. And look, Gabriel Hernandez Walta is incredible, but. The story of this old retired clown named Pound Foolish uh, who lives in the neighborhood and, and is always still in her clown makeup. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
she's sort of the local legend to the kids. So the kids dare another one of their kid, one of their friends to go into the house and steal something. So it's like amazing old uh, Victorian house that's buried in shrubs and, and overgrowth. And as you get inside, yeah. it's just this like museum of, of circus stuff and her history. And it was sweet, but interesting and full of incredible little character details. Like even the opening scene where she's at the, supermarket buying her groceries and she writes a check for the 17 whatever it is 1750 and everything's too expensive and she's trying to make her her famous uh, cauliflower casserole which i kind of wanted to eat afterwards honestly after we went through the recipe of it <laughs> um it's just and then you know the kid comes in to steal something and they 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 have a bonding moment over this food and the memories of the circus and it was it was just this. I think this whole series has been just full of incredible little short stories, but I thought this was one of the better ones of the five so far. And yeah, the last page is incredibly sad too. It's just like there's a whole range of emotions in this book, and the the woman sitting by herself eating her casserole with nothing but her memories of her friends and her lovers uh, looking out the window was you know was really sad. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was, uh, it was, really it was nice. almost like a. You can almost see it as like a Pixar short. Mm-hmm. It was kind of in that mold, I think. Um, I just, I just like that it went from me thinking it was going to be one kind of thing to just being a, a very different thing, and that w- that it wasn't like a, it wasn't an evil thing. It was a, it was a nice thing. Yeah, I mean the the tones have been all over the place in these, which is yeah. great. Like the first one, which was a patron pick, was. Uh, sort of a crime story but it had a supernatural element to it and mm-hmm. you know when you don't know what you're reading all you can do is base what you've read on what you've read on what you think it is so like and we also thought, well, like, yeah like i hadn't liked ice cream man all that much but again i didn't give right. it very much time so fair enough so we didn't know is this going to be an anthology full of like supernatural clown stories but it turned out that it wasn't because that was really the only one there was a sci-fi one there was this one which is totally grounded in reality and then well, the second one was about the the, the mother who was a prostitute, wasn't it? But anyway, it was like all different kinds of things. And uh, just, I mean, I'm glad that, I'm, I'm really glad that patrons made it the patron pick because I wouldn't have read the first issue. Sure. Because I read Ice Cream Man number one. I didn't like it. But I think this this miniseries, Ha Ha, has been really, really great. And so if you've missed out on it at all, you can you can literally pick up any issue. Yeah, I don't know how long, they, how long it goes for, but... Uh... And I don't really know who the writer is, W. Maxwell Prince, but uh, he's he's certainly pulling in some capable artists, and he's got um, some short story chops. I feel like this is a tough, this is a tough sell. This book, and I, mm-hmm. I guess I can see why they led with the supernatural crime story to begin with, because mm-hmm. probably nobody would have read it if this was the first story. <laughs> but, right. Um, yeah, it's been a nice little surprise, a little treat, and uh, I'm like I said, I'm really glad I came back to it. It's literally a slice of life book, you know. But clowns, the kind of things we yeah, the clown thing is a gimmick, mm-hmm. but it's a gimmick that works. I think it doesn't in this context. It works very well. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I think as a, as a framing device for all the stories, I think it's worked because mm-hmm. it, it, it's just it's just weird enough and gives it a hook. But also, you just see him sitting at a desk and sliding an envelope across. He goes, "Stay with me now." <laughs> clowns. <laughs> but also, I'm it, listening. It, <laughs> I think each story, the clown element has worked to make it more impactful. Yep. Yeah. Because no, clowns are weird. Yeah. So now, you know, we talked in the past, Josh, about how so comics were 22 pages and miniseries ran six issues, unless it was a maxi series and it ran 12 or more. 
And then suddenly comics ran 20 pages, and now suddenly miniseries are five issues. Why do I say that? We've talked about it before with Marvel. All, all of Marvel's new miniseries are five issues. Shadow Doctor number four, next issue is the last one. And I feel like they need more issues. Yeah. It, they, they I really like this miniseries, I, but I feel like we're getting the we're getting the outline of the story as opposed to the story itself. Yeah, and and I think with this issue, I again I really enjoyed it because it's a pretty fascinating story, and the storytelling yep. is very good, and it, it's you know it, it's it's just a it's very familiar, but it's a whole thing that I hadn't seen a particular side of. Now, mm-hmm. I think that what happened here is that I felt like the last one. Uh, had wrapped like we'd moved along from the end of the last story and then we quickly moved through time and we're in this new status quo and then and then here's what happens and i was like well that's we just skipped a lot of time and now i guess i didn't notice that it was the last second to last issue but i can be concluded yeah yeah so i love the story peter calloway is telling as we talked about before ostensibly the true story of his grandfather who knows that's true or not it's based on the deathbed story he told his son uh, of him being the uh, black mob doctor to Scarface Al Capone's gang in Chicago in the 30s. And whether or not that was actually a thing or not, well, who knows? It doesn't really matter. Stories are stories. And I thought this was a great issue like in and of itself mm-hmm. because it not only told the story of him being sort of deep into the mob doctor world and being stuck there and realizing he can't get out of it and desperately wanting to be a regular doctor – but no one coming to him because a no white patient's going to come to him unless they're in the mop, and b uh, none of the black people in his town will come to a doctor at all because of the re- remnants of slavery and what doctors did to them as slaves. So I thought what was being told here was a really interesting story, and especially the second part, which, which mm-hmm. where he's trying to get real patients, I thought was really strong. I did just, too. I like I th- overall, it's just kind of like I feel like we're skimming the surface like a rock. We're not really going underneath the surface. And and you know realistically economically i can understand that um for all sorts of reasons that we've gone into a hundred times we don't have to i do think that one of the things i really liked about this is that i'm going to tread carefully there are a lot of corporate entities who are making an effort to be like here are black voices and it'll be anything that any black person has been involved with in any way and when i read this story there's a very specific subset and time where you're telling about chicago in the 20s and this community that is still scared of a, a, a thing that happened in slavery, which is in living memory. Mm-hmm. And they're also, they have a prejudice. They have a prejudice against a black doctor, yeah, which is really interesting. And this guy, you know, he just, I mean, this is, it's a really good example of like privilege, I suppose, if you're going to, as an illustration of like, there's this guy who's smart and he's capable and he wants to do this thing and help, but nobody will let him help them. To the yeah. point where, like, he goes to help somebody because a little kid comes to help him, you know, and he has to yell at the mother to go away so that he can save the the, the daughter. And it's fucking heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it is the kind of, again, who knows how true or not this is, but there is truth to it. This yes. is a thing that either could have happened, probably did happen, and it doesn't matter because the experience is relevant to reality. And it is heartbreaking. Like, you know, because of a, a, a man's circumstances, he ca- he cannot do the thing that would benefit him and everybody else around him. And that is just such a, it's a crime, you know? And, and that's mm-hmm. that's in the shadow of all, shadow, that's in the shadow of all this other stuff that he has 
uh, enormous moral uh, compunction with. He he right. he feels bad that he's treating these. There was a, there's a romantic bit at the beginning where well Capone was pretty good to me and you know these are just guys and at this point all of that facade is gone. He's like these are killers and evil people and I'm allowing them to do more of it. Um, yeah, I patch them up and they go back out and kill more people, not just each other, but innocent people. And I, know, I people like who, that because there was there, yeah. at first there was a little bit of a romanticism about which we've seen many times in mafia stories and crime stories. You what? Know. <laughs> They're just guys trying to make a living, Josh. Well, here, you know, like, it, it, it's what it was. And, and maybe those mob guys aren't as horribly racist as everybody else around them, but it's still out of necessity. And, you know, there's a lot here, even though it feels rushed, like, from a narrative yeah. standpoint. This is a very good book. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying I feel like, especially with the about to end, uh, we could have really delved deeper into this story. But I get it. Like you said, yeah. it's Aftershock Comics is publishing this. They're not at all a big publishing company. And I'd I'm sure they can only have <laughs> – we can think of flyer and five issues on this. We're not going to go 12. You know? Yeah. So yeah. It, it, I get it. I totally understand the, the world in which we are discussing comics. But it's a bummer because I think the story here is fascinating. And obviously – Peter Callow, I believe, as we talked about in the first issue, is a filmmaker. So clearly this is like one, you know. Maybe that'll oh, be due. I'd rather read this listen, as a novel. <laughs> yeah, I would love it. This was this would be a great series. Uh-huh. Yeah. Again, this is here. the point, this is the point where it's a, it's a, there's a character like this in The Nick. Uh, there's a black mm-hmm. doctor at the turn of the century in Manhattan. This is very, very reminiscent of that kind of thing, which is one of, one of the really interesting stories from that, which is available on HBO Max, and it's fantastic. Um really good i just i just you're right i do hate that at some point someone would i think we can charge the same thing for a five issue trade as we could a six yep you know <laughs> they went no it's, shit. it's every every issue, we're gonna talk about maestro in a minute that's five issues it's every wow every recent marvel miniseries has been five issues they've, they've lopped off the last so we lost 10 percent of the story page count issue wise and then we lost about i can't do math what 20 percent 15 20 percent of the story trade-wise so mm-hmm. the the industry continues to shrink it does in many instances it, it makes for a hell of a good comic book storytelling artist uh people have gotten to get had to get real good when they do anyway yeah but you you just can't they and they i don't want to get to this because we do have a lot to talk about but like you know we're already halfway through the show we're only three books in but uh you know you you lose story time they just Losing 10% of the story was a huge blow to the writers and the artists. And now you're losing a whole issue's worth of story in your arc or your miniseries. And that's a lot. It's a lot mm-hmm. of story. Made in Korea, number one. Did Image Comics, this? Jeremy. Yeah, I did. Jeremy Holt, George Shaw. Uh, I, I read it on the strength of the cover and the art. And it's basically a near-future sci-fi story. It Not in the... It's dystopian sci-fi way that usually Marvel image does, but this is, I mean, this is slightly dystopian, but yes. not, not in that way. It's not post-apocalyptic. It's dystopian. It's not, but no one seems to know. be able to have babies. Right. It's, it's, so that's, um, if it's not apocalyptic yet, it's, yeah, plus. it's the, it's the part, it's the part where they're like, Hey, the Titanic's sinking. Like, well, we should finish this champagne. We're in champagne finishing time. I think it's him. It's the plus black mirror plus that story. in the New York times this week about how no one's having babies. So, in this future, I guess people aren't having babies or they can't. I, well, I don't know that they not have babies. I, I do. Uh, is it that they just if you can't have a baby, you can buy a robot baby? Is that what it is? It was unclear. I mean, I think it, what's really interesting is that the story takes place. Uh, basically, there's these two parents, 
um, a, a man and a woman uh, who live in uh, Texas. Looks like, mm-hmm. you know, suburban, the bigger house you have, the more you show off your wealth, Texas, which is irrelevant. Uh, and they go to somebody's house for what looks like a baby shower. And what it is is that they're turning on their... They're showing off their new robot baby. They don't make that completely clear, but you can tell something's weird. And the husband is like with his Abe Lincoln beard. You know what? These beards are all over comics, and I don't think I've ever met a human being with one in my life. Right. In my normal everyday life, if I've seen someone with a beard like this. You're right. You're right. You're fair. And so they get home, and they start talking about it, and the lady... Uh, starts getting the he's like oh man I kind of want to because I want and he, and he's he's very skeptical and they decide to order one uh, and then the sort of alternating story is something about a I assume he's a Korean engineer uh, who has cracked some sort of technological code but he did it on company time and he realizes that that belongs to them and it has something to do with the babies and it's going to have something to do with the robot that that these people have well they, is, they got his his special robot right which he which is they got it for super cheap. He did something in the in the he got it out there. They bought it for super cheap because he he just of his code theft or whatever right. it was. So there's a whole corporate situation where he's he's cracked some algorithm. We haven't told what it is yet, but he manages to get into this one robot robot child, not a baby, it's a child. Yeah. And um gets it out the door before anyone can realize what he's done. So they've got this now they've got this unusual robot child in Conroe, Texas, who doesn't act like other robot children. Right. So I didn't know what this was going to be at all. I, I know, I know Jeremy Holt a little bit from sort of social media and, and I know he's been kicking around the edges of, of indie comics for a while now. Um, I, I, I was really p- pleased by this. It reminded me a little of, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was one of the Luna brothers. I don't think it was both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, had done a story about uh, a, a man and his like Android girlfriend a few mm-hmm. years ago, Addie and something or other. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a little like that, um, which I really liked that too. I just, you know, it's uh, it's a technological sci-fi story. It's hard sci-fi, at least this so This is a far. sci-fi... Look, I like all sci-fi, but yeah. I really like this kind of sci-fi. That's like near world where it feels familiar, but we can see the dark path humanity's going down, mm-hmm. and uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah, and it can go a lot of places. I thought the the art uh, by George Shaw, who again I don't know, was fairly effective. The beard, notwithstanding. Um, also, that little girl's room is amazing. Yeah, she the attic in, room. Yeah, the attic with Love. the sort of tilted ceilings, and then the the view out the back of a lake or a river or something with the books yeah. everywhere. I would live there. I go there right now. I would, I would, I would be there all the time. The books are literally falling in on her. Lock on it. Team a little ladder. I this was I thought this was really terrific. Yeah. I, you know, quite very quietly now, Image is compiling these books that are not their pro, high profile books, but yeah. are their sort of strange to the side, haha, made in Korea books that are that are good. I want more of that. I mean, I don't, I don't know what kind of, I don't know how they sell. You know, again, you're always ha- the the cynical part of your mind is always like, well, is this a movie or TV show? Maybe, but it's in comic book form, so it's I'll take it for what it is. Um, and I would like more. I really love Strange Adventures. I really loved Maestro War Impacts Number Five, the final issue of the five issue miniseries, as we just discussed. This could have also been pick- my pick of the week. I don't know what I would have chosen, but this, this was certainly a contender. I loved the, the 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 several swerves we got. I love the the dip back into classic Marvel, and I love the fact that when it got to the end, 
they teased the third mini, and I was like, "Yes, Peter David, keep it going. Yeah, keep the string rolling." <laughs> I mean, he, I mean, I've he, read he, the original he, miniseries back in the early '90s. I have no recollection of the story, but um, and I know eventually we're going to get there. But they announced the third and final part of this three part, this three, and I I don't know if this sells well enough to justify three issue three miniseries, or they just I don't know why, but. I, mean, I, I saw must. that. I was like, yes, yes, more. I mean, Maestro the, World War M coming soon. Yes. What we know about Peter David is that um, he's really good at uh, a good old superhero. This, gosh, is gosh, this is a gosh book. Long, but like a long running story. I think the last one that I was really into was the X Factor story that he did. You know, it's 50, 60 issues. I don't, I don't know if it went that long, but, um, you know, his Hulk run went forever. That's his thing. Aquaman was years long. Yeah. Hulk was, was super long. Like that's he's very good at that. Let yeah. this guy do that, and and if that means that you renumber it every five issues and change the subtitle, fine. Sure. Mm-hmm. I I I am a hundred percent into this story. Was this also a pick of the week, or did we just read it? I'm sorry, patron pick. I honestly don't remember. I think we just read it, and it was like, hey, that was all right. And then every time you read it after that, I mean, Christ, you've got. Doom and old bearded Hulk who won't let anybody call him Hulk or Banner because he's maestro now. Why? Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, you know, so in this story, Doom had sort of outmaneuvered maestro and taken control of dystopia. This is the land that, you know, we call it now in America. And, you know, Hulk comes. I, can't, I can't call him maestro. Hulk kicks the door open, says, Doom! And Doom's all on the throne with his legs crossed and look who finally showed up and i was like i was all in on that page and then the next page walk slowly up to doom they stare each other in the eyes and then shake hands doctor doctor hungry Famished. that 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 was <laughs> that was the best thing in the whole thing doctor doctor <laughs> <laughs> yes and then they're <laughs> then they realized that they had worked together to plan to get to this point to co-rule dystopia and then hulk tries to poison doom in the same way he poisoned hercules but doom being doom sussed it out so he had taken the antidote and they just kept going back and forth and trying to one-up each other into the and then it just kept going from there into a, a physical confrontation which i loved and then when hulk has the upper hand and uses an electromagnet to get all of the armor off of doom and punches him in his human form he he sees shadowy doom with just a ripped cloak and says oh my god your face did i do that and that brought me all the way back to the old days of marvel in which you know, we talked about this before. You never saw Doom's face, mm-hmm. and it was always hinted at it, that it was all fucked up. And I love that. I loved that as a kid. And this brought me back to that moment where it's mm-hmm. like, oh right, you know, Doom. Something bad happened to Doom, and he. That's why he hides in the armor all the time. Or he had a tiny scar in his cheek, and that was also equally as awesome as having a fucked up face because there's a whole other psychological problem. But yeah, his vanity. But I just love that getting back to that old Marvel feeling of Doom was a shadowy, scarred figure. And he just he's ashamed of it. He just wants his mask back. And I just thought this was great. This was great. And it, as you flip through it, it has a high level of good old Marvel yeah. in the fight that they have at the end. There's there's a splash page. And splash pages are starting to get rare. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, because they can't afford it. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the 20 pages that you got. You know, just this kind of fight between these these creatures. It just, it was great. I, it's a very it's green so book. Fun. Yeah, Hulk yes. versus Doom. The sky is green. I was noticing that. And I, I would recommend any Marvel fan to go back and read Maestro, whatever the first one was, because it's Maestro, whatever it was, and this this one, Warren Pax. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need to have read Future Imperfect at all. No. It's terrific. 
I didn't. You just needed to know, oh, this is what Hulk is like. This is what Doom is like. You know, Hercules was in here. Uh, you won't know. Who is the, who the, who the shady, the gods, the, the, some sort the Pantheon. Those are characters Pantheon. apparently from, from his run of Hulk, which I didn't read. So True. I didn't know, the, but, but you didn't really being, need to know that. Right. You don't need to know that either. Um, yeah, it's just good little Elseworldsy kind of superhero stuff. And then the next issue, which is the return of Herman Peralta, who was ours in the first one, who was terrific, uh, is Hulk versus the Abomination and Namor. So come on. <laughs> all you do is throw Kang in there and you got it all. <laughs> I'm down with it. That doesn't get you to read the book. I don't know what to tell you. We're going to talk about the next miniseries when it comes out. We're going to take a quick break here to tell you how to help the show. And we're going to do it fast because we do have a lot of books and we're going to get to talk about them. There's a, there's several ways you can help. If you like this show, if you enjoy it, if you think, hey, I enjoy this show, I don't want it to end If in this, in this new media economy where listeners and viewers have to support what they watch or listen to. Uh, Patreon.com slash iFanboy is the best way. They've unlocked a ton of content. The Patreon pick, the talk explodes, the book explodes, the media explodes, the YouTube content we've been putting back up, the uh, legacy content, and our monthly hangouts. Those are all things other than the hangouts that everyone can enjoy because of the patrons. And there's more things they can unlock. you can unlock over there if you want to join up. You can become part of all that fun. There's c- communities you can be a part of, the Discord channel, the Facebook group if you're a patron. It's a real, we hope that we make it a rewarding experience to be a patron. And we do appreciate everyone helps because you do help pay our, our bills and make the time worth it. And we do appreciate that. Um, t-shirts. Fanboy.threadless.com is where you can find our eight designs. Our number one selling shirt, which is the Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters, and Stay Home Read Comics. They, they go neck and neck every month for top seller. And uh, we have other designs we've been talking about. Josh dropped the ball, but we're going we're gonna to pick it up and run with it again and get that new design out there soon. We have two designs in the works, and that hopefully we'll get those out to you soon. Uh, Fanboy.com slash support. That's where you can donate, donate via PayPal. If you don't want to be a patron or buy a shirt and just want to leave a tip in the tip jar, people do that. We do thank you. FM.com slash Amazon is where you can find links to our books, blood books, and other links. And we do appreciate everyone who helps support the show through various means. It's it's how the new economy <clears throat> it's how the new economy of entertainment works, and we do appreciate everyone who helps us out. Can I can, I know we're in a hurry, but I have to let you know that I just received notification that a very dumb nerdy ass thing I bought has shipped. And you're excited about it. I'm kind of excited about it. Right up to the point where it shows up and, and Lindsay's like, why? Where are you even going to put that? And I'll be like, Red 2 standing by. Oh, the helmet. Yes. You have to. You have to yeah, I know. Can you wear it? You can wear it, right? I mean, theoretically. I, I, didn't, I didn't size up my head or anything. But The I next think that's patron the hangout, you got to put it on. That's fair. Another really no, it's not dumb. Another very specific nerd thing is also coming here that I have not told you about that I cannot wait to share with you. That's a teaser. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, isn't it? I assume that you didn't jump on the Robin bandwagon here because you hate Robin. No. Okay, yeah. so Robin 2 uh, is a fun little book. Uh, is it still on Bloodsport? Is it still Kumite? Yeah, no, fighting? I think that's what the whole thing is. Or at least, you know, like the first arc is that he's there and what we find out at the end, he was he has heart ripped out at the end of the last issue. And in this dead. one, we I find out that... Over. So we have a new Robin then, number two. Everybody on in the tournament on Lazarus Island gets three, gets uh, basically two resurrections. The third one is final. And so they go, th- they go through the... The first round of the tournament is until everybody's died once. And then the second round, uh, you know, we'll, we'll determine the winner. Now, if you leave after the second round, no harm, no foul. We get it. And so the girl who killed him, he's kind of into her. She walks him around the island and they get to the other side of it. And, she, and he's like, what are those sounds? And then the final page reveal is that all of the people are partying together. 
And so I guess Damien's going to learn how to get his groove. It's very silly. And uh, it is it is a lot of fun. I think the art from uh, Gleb Melnikov uh, mm-hmm. is exactly what this uh, kind of story should be. It's very the art was very good in the first it's issue. Very reminiscent of what I think of as a Robin book looking like. Mm-hmm. I guess um, it was fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. Alien number three. Are you still reading this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Philip Kennedy pa- this, Johnson. This was Patron, yes. Maybe uh, it was. Maybe yes, first it. was Patron pick. Yes, it was. Uh, this is a great Alien story. Yes, it is. It's just like a straight up, like if this was, I don't know if it makes, I don't know if it would make a movie. I don't think I'd be thrilled if I went into the movie. It's too small yes. for a movie, but but that's why I like it because yeah. the last few Alien films have been dumb. And too big, I, honestly. Too big and dumb. It's like uh, the spider totem shit. Covenant and Prometheus, Prometheus, they were not good. This I, is, this, this is brings it back because if you think about it, Alien and Aliens were pretty small movies. The first one especially, especially yeah. was a really small movie. Yes, it you was. Know, very tightly contained. Locked room. On it. Locked room monster monster story. And this is basically what this is. And I like it a lot. Yeah. And, and I, I'm interested in the characters. There's a good personal sort of dynamic going on at the same time where you're like, who gives a shit about any of this? Like there's the girl, the, the paramilitary revolutionary girl, and mm-hmm. she's like still trying to play her game. And I was like, have you seen what's going on around you? Right. Get no the one cares hell about out. your ideals right now. We're just trying to survive. <laughs> well, no, but the one guy's like, I got I to gotta get this specimen back. So they're still thinking of it in terms of like this business asset at the same time, which I think is really interesting. Philip Kennedy which Johnson. Which is interesting because he is dying so you would think he wouldn't give a shit about saving the, their intellectual property he's but. a soldier i don't know yeah. there was i mean he was going there to save his son and that was the trade-off i guess and so he can't get back unless he does that's um, true and you know philip kennedy johnson's a name now that i i, I look for uh, it's also was, it's also a ticket that i vote for in 1960 every time yeah sure this was um brutal in terms of lots of face huggers and popping out of chests and faces and and people space, get shot in the back of the head and space there's a lot goats. of goats. There's space yeah. goats. Those goats were fucked up. <laughs> I didn't like them. <laughs> Made me uncomfortable. Didn't, didn't Connor like from my fanboy says those goats were fucked up. I didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> Star Girl Spring Break Special number one, written by Jeff Johns, art by Todd Nwok, who did Young Justice with Peter David. I loved this fucking comic. I thought this was <laughs> one of the best Jeff Johns books in a long time. It was so so gushy, and it was like right in Jeff Johns' wheelhouse, which is, you know, we're in we're basically back into hyper time where everything can be played with, and so here he really plays with plays with the history of DC, and has, you know, this is all about the Seven Soldiers of Victory. It's also very much similar to the Star Girl series, which Jeff Johns is the showrunner of, and. In which the Seven Soldiers are a big part of that show, and so here we find out that Green Arrow and Speedy had got had been sent back in time by Clock King, and that's why there was a Golden Age version of Green Arrow who dressed like that, and uh, became friends with the Seven Soldiers, and now they're back in the future. And it was a, a very of- efficient reveal. It's like, oh, not like that smooth face guy. That was me. Oh, and then we <laughs> yeah. move along. Yeah, it just it just felt very much like the Jeff Johns of. 10 years ago or more, mm-hmm. 15, no, I guess, God, 10 years ago, still the new 52. I've lost the ability to tell time. Yeah. 20 years ago, that was like doing Justice Society and being very economic about streamlining the DC continuity. And this felt like a comic from that time period. Yeah. Uh, I liked, I loved the hell out of this. And, and then, you know, we get lots of fun action and adventure and character stuff here. I like Stargirl a lot as a character. And then we get, first of all, great Jerry Ordway uh, pinup of the Seven Soldiers Victories in the back. He he can still bring it, 
And I don't no, know if this Knock is... Is, is not is no slouch. Like these were full pages. You know, there was he's no great. shortcuts. I always really liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. He he works really good. And then at the end we get like a little three page uh, Justice Society bit written by Johns and drawn by Hitch. I don't know if it says passes prologue. I don't know if this is a teaser for a series. It certainly feels like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what this still fits in the idea of what this new era of dc is this infinite uh is infinite frontier, frontier? yeah I, it, all those words get so interchangeable i get them wrong yeah. i get them out i got them wrong when Absolutely. i was talking to josh williamson <laughs> it's like infinite yeah. it's not a crisis it's a new crisis no wait inf- okay um you know just do your thing over in your story and you know that's kind of letting people do their thing it's led to pretty good books it's not nearly as cohesive as a whole thing but maybe that wasn't what we wanted all along what this, but overall, this was really fun. There was a time travel element. They had to find a missing hero from the Golden Age, and then it turned out there was a twist on the missing hero. And there, you know, this, and it's leading up to a Stargirl series. So clearly, this story is going to resonate going forward. But the time um, machine really, is also full on like Kirby, flame spouting, energy shooting tubes. It's great. Right. Yeah, I, I thought this was super fun. I really, I was like, I, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did, and I really liked it. I saw that I would not have read it, other than the fact that I know that like Star Girl is is Jeff Johns's sort of you know pet pet character, and, and that's almost demeaning because it's sort of based on his sister who had uh, passed away, and so it, is, it yeah. was it was a um you know a tribute to her. But I I knew that because of that, I was like, oh, this is going to have his heart in it. Yeah, you know, and and that's what you want out of Jeff Johns. There's a guy, you know, Connor Connor and I. We had, I guess it was drinks. We had drinks with him one time, and yeah. the the man's enthusiasm and and um, earnestness was radiating off of him. And it was yeah, he so you, you understood why he wrote comics the way that he did. And I was like, oh, this is going to be that, and it was exactly that. In the final page, double page spread of the Justice Society, Alan Scott is on that page three times. <laughs> Hold on, we're going there. Anyway, I mean the characters are all they're doubled because there's there's the, there's the modern day version and there's that sort of flashbacky version, but it's just interesting that he's on there three times. Well, yeah, he's important. He's the most important one, right? So you got triple. Yeah. It. So I'm hoping this. I mean, I don't necessarily need Brian Hitch to draw it, but I'm hoping there is going to be a Jeff Johns written Justice Society series. Sure. So those are the books we wanted to talk about. Patreon.com slash iFanboys, where you can go to add a book to the rundown. This week, the patrons voted to add The Blue Flame, number one, to the rundown, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by Adam Gorham, Kurt Michael Russell. I understand why you have to put the middle name in there, Kurt. And Hassan Otsmane Lahu. Are the, the, the official team. letter of the patron pick. I didn't even have to change it on this week's script. <laughs> and this is from Vault Comics. And Christopher Cantwell is someone whose work we've been enjoying quite a lot in the last years, two years or so. Subject of Josh, well, a recent talks book, fairly recent uh, talks book. Yeah. End of the and that, so I don't know, has he done creator own? Is this yes, Vault he's creator done own? several creator own books. He, he, the first one he did was, I don't remember the names of all of them, but he did, um, with Karen Berger, he did over at uh, Dark Horse, he had done a couple. Oh, right. There's definitely, there's been a few, so this isn't new for him. Um, but it's the first new one in a little while after sort of that burst of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you look them up, there's probably three, four, five, uh, at least minis that he's done. Well, I can see why he couldn't do this at Marvel because there are already several Dark Hawk, Dark Hawk books out there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and not that this is Darkhawk, but the, the suit in the very beginning is exactly like Darkhawk. Anyway, um, the blue flame, the conceit of the blue flame is is hard to sum up quickly because there's a lot going on here. But he is a is it Milwaukee? Yep, a, a, a hero in Milwaukee amongst other heroes. And he, you know, his day job. He's he's a but they're repair, like a boiler repairman and. But the, so there's two. Thi- I mean, there's two things that are happening. Is one is the yeah. beginning is this cosmic thing where he is, you know, he is ascendant. He has the cosmic power and flies from universe to universe. And he's captured by some aliens. Um, and then we sort of cut to him waking up in his house and going out and having to shovel. And we find he has a little blue collar job. And then he and his his buddies go. Uh, his other superhero team. And this reminds me very much of how we looked at the Minutemen and Watchmen. Um, yeah. It very much made me think of that era. And, and they're going to go make a public appearance in an auto show. But they're more like, you know, the real superheroes that we have the ones in, in, yeah, the, in the world. world yeah. yeah. People walk around, vigilantes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and there's a it's, bunch it's, of, it's unclear if any of them have abilities. It doesn't seem I like it. I think so. Like one guy is strong. One girl has a lot of money, so her dad pays for everything. And then there's the Crimson Visage, who's sort of the shadowy one. But he's still like a um, dude. And, yeah, and, so you, and you, the blue flame is just, this guy is, yeah. it repairs boilers, so it feels like he's got a propane tank on his back. Right, he probably just shoots out fire. But like, the the where, the blue flame he is in the second part of the story is not the blue flame he is in the opening part, where he, like you said, he's literally flying through space on his own. Right, so we don't know like the connection. Nova. Uh, amalgam right so we don't know the connection between those two realities right now uh that's and honestly the you take out the first bit and i i I like this book a lot but i take out the first bit i thought this would have been a much stronger book i realize that adds to the mystery of what's how does it get to that point but the realism was really stark you know they go to this they go to this auto show to make their appearance the night brigade and they're going to sign autographs and take selfies and then while they're on the stage, you know, a mass shooting happens and the way that it's, it unfolds first with the sound and then one woman in the crowd holding her neck and then suddenly, you know, it all unfolds. I thought that was really effective, especially yeah. in the awful world we live in, in which these things happen a lot mm-hmm. of quite a bit. And so, um, I thought the way he did that was really impactful and we don't know how we get to, you know, he gets shot up. No, I don't know if he gets shot up, but the, we cut to the end again, I guess in the future where he is, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. We don't know. There's very there's very few answers here. There's basically two scenarios that seem to be the same person, but they're vastly different, and they will be connected at, at some point. Maybe. Uh, I don't know what's going to... So, if anything, you know, it's the typical first issue kind of thing, like you kind of want more so that you can know what it is, mm-hmm. but it was pretty strong first issue. I think you and I always lean towards the part where, like, well, let's see what this real world shit is like if you try to act like a superhero, but there's not really anything magic going on. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is interesting. And, and I was very surprised when the shooting part happened. Uh, and you're right. That is a, a, that sequence of storytelling was really well done. Uh, I liked it, but I don't know that I have enough to love it. Um, I have, you know, a lot of trust in the storyteller. Um, but I'll, I think there's enough also to, for me, at least to read the next issue. Oh, absolutely. To find out what, what, what happens next, you know, what's yeah. the fallout? Did they get shot too? Like, is that is he in bed in the hospital? Is that in the in the present in the present space time? Is it in the past? Like, is he just hallucinating know? all that other stuff? Right, that's also possible as well. I hope not that. That's the thing I don't like. I, you know, it looked good. Adam Gorham, not a name I know. Um, 
<laughs> I like that the, the colorist is Kurt Michael Russell, just to eliminate any confusion. Mm-hmm. Poor guy has to do, I guess I have to use my middle name now. <laughs> and by the way, unless he's 65, like his parents knew. Yeah, that's their fault. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm naming him Kurt Russell. That's my dad's name. I don't care what the guy in Hollywood says. Doesn't matter. Kurt Michael Russell. Why don't you just call I, me I like Snake, this. Dad? Jesus. <laughs> the Blue Flame, number one, from Vault, Christopher Cantwell, Adam Gordon, Kurt Michael Russell, Hassan Osmani, Allahu. I, I liked it. I liked it. I didn't love it, like you said, but I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it um, three and a half stars out of five. Same. Same. Going to read it again. I'm going to have to make sure to subscribe to it on Comicsology. Yes. I'll forget. So I'm going to do that after this is over. But I do want to read the second issue. You know, I, ever since we got that one email, I've made a real effort to go through what's there. And sometimes it's difficult to sort of, it's difficult to follow creators in that way. So when these guys start, do, you know, guys who we know and like start doing stuff, guys being a, not the You'd think that they would do things, I don't want to get into the business of it, but you think they'd be like, hey, subscribe to certain creators or at least subscribe uh-huh. to being alerted to the fact they have new books out. I mean, I, some of that's on me because I left social media and I don't read comics. No, no, but news, like so. comicsology should have a function mm-hmm. where you can say Alerts. I like these five writers right. or artists. Alert me when they have a new comic out. Right. That that so is, that's however, that's a benefit of having a good local comic shop who you have a relationship with. Yeah, but most shops I've been to, I've been I'm, to I'm saying shops, wouldn't if, wouldn't push this book. Sure, but I wouldn't I'm, even order it. Like a really good shop would. If those are rare, yeah. that's all I'm saying. That's possible benefit. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every pitch can vote out of books to run down, but if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get your superpower live on the show. Like Michael Sturgeon. Michael Sturgeon is the font king. He, <laughs> Go on. He knows all fonts on site, but also he can manipulate fonts. Both, both, font, font both in a digital form and a like if he was yes. holding a book. Yes, or like walking down the street. I don't like the font on that sign. <laughs> bloop. And it makes a bloop sound. Oh. Bloop. Is the is the bloop um, directly proportional to the size of the writing? Yes. Or? If he changes the, the font on so It's like the Goodyear blimp. Everybody got a duck. It's a bigger bloop than like, you know, if he changes it on like a business card. But not only does he wear and understands all fonts and can identify all fonts, there's never a situation where you're like, what font is that? And if you're Michael Sturgeon. Mm-hmm. But he can be like, that font is not working. Mm-hmm. Bloop. Jen Peretta can absorb and reverse the effects of rust. So rust... Absorbing. She absorbs rust. Yeah, yeah. So the, you're pulling the oxidation directly out. And then and as the, the metal rebuilds itself. Where does the rust go? Just, just she absorbs it? It's, I believe it's just, it's just uh, reverse... The the chemistry reverses. It just becomes the oxygen. I see. So also, oh, so she's, she's, oh, oh, yeah. So is, it, is the oxygen inside her, or is it into the into the air? It just it 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 rejoins the atmosphere. Just trying to figure out if she can help us with that. Of, of probably probably not on a large level, no. But like, imagine you know you 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 find some way to get her down there by the Titanic. Sure. Put that shit back together. Pull it up there. Learn some things. So it doesn't matter how old the rust is, she can un- undo the oxidization yeah. process. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Deezer Irons, ironically named after Jen's power, uh, <laughs> can turn any part of his body into a mirror. 
surface. Hmm. I mean, there's, there's some practical uses, some, some some aesthetic uses. He could turn himself into the guy from Watchmen, the TV show, but like a real mirror, not not a not the cool mask he was wearing in the show. But is it breakable like a normal mirror? No, it's just that the surface of his body, any party chooses, will be a mirror surface. Mm-hmm. It's like his hands, his his legs, his head, forehead. Like 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 if you were. You know, in front of Deezer, like, hey, I need to check my tie. He could make his forehead into a mirror, and you could, you know, could, you know, could fix your tie. That's nice. Um, yeah. I like to point out a thing uh, yeah. that my list ran out uh-huh. just now, and Ooh. I will if you if you were to go back in the tape and you said patron powers, you might have, you you might hear me go because I had already skipped to answering the audience question in my mind. And I went, shit, where's my list? And there was one thing on there. That was the rust one, which brings us to now. Giuseppe Batici uh, can transform anyone uh, with the power of his mind into a Roger Rabbit style cartoon that exists in the real world. Is it a cartoon version of themselves or they become like a rabbit? I mean, it could be a version of themselves that is a rabbit. If right, right. But, but they're still recognizable as themselves in some, yeah, facet, yeah, yeah. some capacity. Yeah, no, it's not like you just turn into a big dinosaur or something like that. It's right. a cartoon version. But it could be a yourself. dinosaur, but it would have like your right. hair, wearing right. your glasses, and your clothes. There would be clothes. some character reason why you would be a dinosaur. Right. For example, There's like, like you and I. Dinosaur. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a dinosaur with a bad back and a cough. And, and this is important. It's irreversible. It's irreversible. It doesn't wear off, so. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. You gotta, you gotta use your power, you know. But like, if what's if, the benefit in the, in animated form? Are you now immune to injury and age? Or I would say that this would be the kind of thing that you'd see on the news, and they just don't know yet. And it's they gotta study the powers. They gotta study the yeah, They don't know. He doesn't know. I just do it in a panic moment, like like a teach, like a like a nun at his Catholic school was coming after him, and he was like, "Bloop." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's bloop is Sturgeon's thing. You can't be taking bloop. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it was in the zeitgeist, I guess. Our nice, very tiny nice. zeitgeist. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's how you can uh, get a superpower live on the show. Thanks for everyone who joins up. And are we doing an email? What's your take on Let's this? do the first one. Let's do it. I want to do it. been sitting there for a while. I want to not go on for 40 minutes, but. Andy B says, I believe you recently lamented the loss of original comic art as a prize for fans and a revenue stream for artists. With artists mostly digital, I see a path where they can mint their original art as an NFT for fans to purchase. On top of that, the creator could set a pre- could, on top of that, the creator could set a percent of revenue from future sales as they are the original artists. Here it is. Oh, NFTs. Okay, so let's get it. One thing out also, of the it's way. spelled wrong here. NTF. That sounds like a federal agency. It's NFT. Yes, the NFT... Uh, there is some sort of story about it, how it is. Uh, it uses a lot of resources to make and therefore it is not environmentally friendly. Fair enough. We'll put that off to the side. I don't want to talk about that. That is what well, it is. Well, it's a big reason why a lot of the comics community has rejected them for deep. Sure. Pretty and, and that's, it is relevant. But I believe that I would like to discuss it in the other sense. Okay. Okay. It is very good that artists can find a way to increase their own revenue. And make their life, make more from their art that they make. I don't think anybody, mm-hmm. anybody. No one would begrudge that. No one would begrudge that. I think uh, these people are hardworking, they're super talented, and in many, many, many respects, they are underpaid. Even if for a little time in their lives, they're paid pretty well. For most of the rest of their lives, they will be very underpaid. So 
Yes, there's, freedom, no, there's no retirement plan for comic artists. More power to them. Freedom. Get everything that you can out of it. Comics will break your heart, so don't let it. Mm-hmm. I believe that Connor and I are on the same page in that the NFT is dumb. Yes, yes. Very dumb. Yes. It's, it's a fake possession. Yes. It is, it is the, it is the uh, uh, simulation of owning a thing. And it's the, it's the, it's you know what it is it's the it's the logical progression for a generation of people who grew up on the internet which we didn't you Josh and I so we have a very different take on this other people would have but um, the idea of owning something that isn't real to me is stupid but that other people may not feel differently but I you know arch I, I gotta be able to put my art on the wall and touch it. Well, you know, it's funny because this is the thing. When, when digital comics first came out, there was a thing, well, what, what happens if they go away or when I own them? Whereas I think I always understood that as like, it's a, it's a piece of digital, but it probably will go away at some point. It's, it's ephemeral. It's, it is if exactly the word that was on the tip of my tongue right there. It is utterly ephemeral. ephemeral. And, and when you talk, I'm looking at my wall in front of me. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have several pieces of original art. In fact, everything in front of me is authentic to a certain extent. One's a print, but it's signed. Um, you know, I have a page from Chinese Pollard and I have a Darwin Cook page in front of me. The value of those things is that they literally are the only one that exists because it was the one that was made. It was the one that was touched. It was the one that theoretically, if you pulled one of those, it would smell like the cigarettes. Mm-hmm. It, it is an actual thing. It is an artifact. Mm-hmm. I don't care if there's only one digital copy of something. It's, well, not, it's not even that. It's just it's, it's it's not even that there's one digital copy because there's no, right. no one stops anyone from making a copy of an NFT. It's right. so you have the you have number the, one. Uh, you have the sort of the the ownership of it, right? In, in, in whatever that means, right? Um, and I just think it's stupid, but that's because we're old. Maybe, but I, I just I think that there's there's a reason that it's better to go to a museum and see things on the wall than mm-hmm. it is to look at them on a high res monitor. Oh my God! Yes, I mean it's it. The you know, there's a reason why people don't like digital comics. They want to have the thing to touch the thing. It, it, you know, ultimately, in the end of the day, it's the thing you get to look at or whatever. But I just, to me, I don't, I, I don't understand the value in that. Um, and I understand that also. Like, if you are a digital artist, I was talking to my wife about this, and she had formerly made her living as a photographer, and she shot all digitally, and she saw a, re- a way that that would be an extra revenue stream for those kind of people. And that, you know, she took umbrage at the fact that there wasn't value in the thing that was digital. And I said, there is. It, there's value in anything that somebody's willing to pay for if that's what they want to yeah. have. But for me, I just I don't find that attractive. And 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 everybody can make prints of their. That's why you'll see. Uh, there are there are prints made of like sort of famous photos, but they're numbered and they're limited to a thing that that artist did and made. They're not photocopies. It's not the same. Right. But yeah, I mean, to me, the- uh, stri- striking a print, the, a photographer striking a print is different than a, you know, a JPEG. It's not yeah, the same an thing. Endlessly reproducible digital file uh, right. that then has to get manipulated in some way to make it somehow unique. You know, I mean, I, I think look if 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 it's a way that that artists can sell their digital pages, then great. But I'm I'm, I'm not going to buy them. No, I'm not going to be a customer for that. Um, yeah, I'm not saying you shouldn't. Although the, that that's the environmental side, then I then I say yes. you shouldn't. But if there were no environmental impact, then sh- didn't go nuts. But I mean, well, the environmental impact makes it even dumber. Like you're yeah. spending all of these resources for you know. Well, it makes it goes goes from dumb to harmful. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, pointless, I think it would be. But well, I think it's pointless. But I think that's the thing. Like, I think this is very subjective. And I think you and I are coming from the same place because of all sorts of reasons that have to do with experience and age and time and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, maybe somebody else thinks that what we're saying is completely ridiculous. Not maybe. There's definitely people listening to this who are like, but, you know, fair enough. But uh, I hope I hope that this is one of those weird blippy things that happens and goes away. That's the other thing that like rubbed me wrong is that like I'd never heard of it one day, and then the next day somebody bought some shit for ten million, and everyone was like, "We want to sell your NFT," you know. <laughs> like it was like from out of nowhere. It feels very fad kingy. Yeah, it's like pogs or yes. beanie babies or tulips. You know, it's it's something of a, a thing, artificial value. Uh, I, I think it's stupid. I, th- I think art. I think art like that is, is stupid. I'm seeing. I'm just saying. There's a art a piece of art here on my wall. Gabriel Hardman drew wedge Antilles for me. It was a gift from a good friend who, Ron. Um, and I can see the brush strokes, and I can see like the paper is wrinkled from the place where some of the you know, he touched it. He was holding it. He 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 did the thing. That to me is the, is the value of of a piece of original art, you know. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. Patreon, nope. Contact fanboy.com is how you can write in, uh, like Andy B, and you can also write in for media split. We got a bunch of media split up emails this week, so that's good. Yeah, we did. I saw that. Uh, so, so thanks for writing it. We had put out uh, our last media split where we talked about Tenet um, and some other things that I don't remember. Was that the fan service one, or was that? No, before. that was previous one. Tenet, it was Tenet, and it was... Uh, stuff we watched. Uh, we put a lot of things but in. But there was another topic. It's a question? It doesn't matter. There's good stuff in there. That's our all-media our all show. It's about other stuff that isn't comics. It was only two weeks ago. Yeah. It's been. <laughs> it's really been a hell of a two weeks, if I can be completely honest with you. Uh, and then also... Oh, oh it was, I'm sorry. We debated binge viewing versus weekly viewing. That was oh, the topic. Well, I have no recollection of that, although right. I know how I feel on it. Um yes. like that conversation, actually. <clears throat> and then uh, this past week, I uh, put out a new Talksplode episode, our creator interview podcast, uh, with Tom Scioli, a uh, writer and artist, uh, most recently of um, Jack Kirby, the epic uh, story of the King of Comics, um, which Connor and I had also done a talk splo- or a book explode on uh, somewhat recently. Uh, we liked it a whole lot um, for various reasons. And um, so I talked to Tom about his career. That's not the only thing he's ever done. He's done a lot of comics. He won a Zerick Grant um, at a certain point. He's about exactly our age, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he, he did Transformers versus G.I. Joe for a while, all sort of in his style. Uh, he is, you know, he's intricately linked with Kirby in a lot of ways, stylistically, and and he's totally cool with that, which I really liked. And um, uh, yeah, it was really interesting. Plus, we just got to talk about Jack Kirby with a guy who knows a lot about him, and I thought that was really fun. So that was your May talk explode in on time. That's right behind this show in the feed, like yep. right behind it. Yep. So that means June is a book explode month and we're actually what we're going to do now is we're going to announce the next two book explode topics so that's June and August so you can get ready you can get prepared cuz they're not quick reads book explode June as we discussed before is injustice gods among us year 1 the complete collection the 420 some odd page uh, collection of the first tom taylor i don't know it's not a mini series it's too fucking long but to, comic uh, book tie in yeah to the video game so that's going to come in June at some point most likely later in June. Mm-hmm. I, 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 need to, I need to take this holiday week and put a dent in that thing. And then in August, we're going to actually do our very first, I think our very first, non-comics book explode. 
we're going to talk about True Believer, The Rise and Fall of Stanley by Abraham Reisman, the, the uh, book that came out a few months ago to much consternation and fanfare amongst the comic community. Uh, so we're going to talk about that book. It's nonfiction. It's a quick read. It's it's not small, but it's a quick read if you want to read it and catch up. But a lot of people have been reading it. A lot of people have asked about it. I talked about it a little bit on the patron hangout uh, happy hour. Just a few minutes up for it, so I won't spoil the discussion. But we're looking forward to talking about that as Josh reads it right now. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm in there. So me, and, me and Tom talked about it just a little bit because um, I was curious of his uh, his like. Oh, well, you like all this stuff about Jack. How do you feel about Stan? Really interesting too. So that's so June is Injustice and August is True Believer, and maybe October will be Future Imperfect. We should do that because that also that's only. <laughs> It's like it's probably less than a hundred pages. Probably need a break after that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll do another one. I'm just having a brainstorm right now. It's not necessarily going to happen. It's okay. We're only over ten minutes, so that's fine. Just keep going. Okay. Uh, get over to ifanbar.com. You can find all of our shows, our vast history of comic book writing from all of our t- uh, talented writers. Uh, there are that was ninety six talksplodes that we have done uh, in the past twelve, thirteen years. Are you hitting hundred this year? No. No. It'll be right Next as we year. get to it. Which is, it's one of those things like, oh, crap, that's 100, it's a comic book show, I'm gonna have to think of something for that. It can't just be like, here's my, here's my buddy the colorist. Although, whatever, I like doing that, I'll do what I want to. I don't, I don't need your rules, pal. I do what I want. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash ifanboy or at ifanboy on Twitter or at ifanboycomics on Instagram. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out um, in terms of our lives interfering with what we want to do. There haven't been a lot of panels of the week. We want to. We like no. them. Also, making, I, I have been finding a lot, to be honest with you. Like, the, the annoying thing is last week I had like six mm-hmm. picked out and cut out on my phone ready to post. And then, you know, I don't even remember what happened last Saturday. Yeah. Because normal Saturdays are normal the day I have time to do it, and I don't even remember what happened. All I know is at one point, oh, I remember I fell asleep <laughs> in the afternoon. Everybody was like, "All right, yeah, he's busy," and you're like, "No, I fell asleep." No, no. What happened was uh, last Saturday was the first time we went out to dinner at a restaurant with our friends, and so like we we had to get prepared for it. Saturday morning, six o'clock in the morning, one of the smoke detector ba- uh, started chirping. So I was up at 6 a.m., so I was really tired. I fell asleep in the afternoon when I literally next to the iPad and my phone, which is how I'm getting ready to do the, the panels. I need the mm-hmm. iPad for the information on the, the comic and the panels on my phone. And fell asleep on the couch, woke up, shit, got to get ready, and then that was the, the day was over. That's what happened. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. You can follow us individually at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram for movie stills and at Jay Flanagan on Instagram for bitching. Uh, 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 yeah. You can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash ifanboy uh, to keep up to date on old video show re-uploads, which are continuing apace. This past week, there was a mini on Batman Shadow of the Bat. So that was you, obviously. Yep. I don't, was mm-hmm. it a pick of the week? No, no, it was just, just me looking back on that series. Thought that was a good series. Uh, there's a show just all about Wolverine, good old Logan. Because it was uh, the week of Wolverine, origin. X-Men Origins, Wolverine, yeah. the jacket. Um... <laughs> the jacket and a story about the big books about comics these are sort of the treasury editions and the the you know that that uh, uh chip uh what was like, his name like behind the scenes stuff chip, yeah uh, uh, chip, chip kid chip kid uh, yeah big you know, like book. a book about the batman animated series or marvel chronicles i just or, went through that know, with my son the other day 
It was a fun, that was a fun time to go through that big book. Uh, yeah. And the, yeah. So that's that. Well, if you like the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. A star rating is even something you can just do in a, one second. Click the star, and, and we appreciate that for every, us. Every show you listen to uh, really helps podcasts. To, uh, for the algorithm is if you leave reviews, and we do appreciate that. Even better than that is tell your friends, word of mouth, letter carriers, as they l- deliver their letter during the midst of an alien invasion, because they'll still be out there delivering their letters. Mr. Terrific really took a chance that that letter did not get lost in the mail. And not for the fault of the post office, but for yeah, the fault of You don't of know that he didn't just put it. He, he could have FedExed it. He could have. Either way, there's an alien invasion happening. You could have very easily, uh, a, a truck could have been vaporized. A ship could have fallen out of the sky and landed on the delivery guy. Or his little drone scan. It's not like he didn't have another copy of it. Okay. Come on. He's terrific. He's not. What I'm saying is, big, took a big chance on the big reveal with that. You really, you're, you've had a, you've had a. <laughs> You've had a mail thing going on here. Something's happening with your mail. No, no, I'm just saying that that you know. I hear you. I love I love that he wrote that. It's perfect that he wrote it that way. But it's just you know, in the midst of an alien invasion, that's that's risky. I think it's uh, like now, like if an alien invasion were going on, we would all try to act as if things were completely normal, and then half the population would be like, "This isn't really happening." There's <laughs> a new episode on the seats right now. Exactly. Oh, uh, where are we in the script? Anyway, thanks for everyone who, who, who spreads the love. We do appreciate it, and this is. A long show, and we're going to end it now. And my name is Connor. I'm Josh. People should drink if we don't say it. it's a long show. <laughs>